Psychomedy is brought to you by ThreadUp, Manchester-based therapy that supports creativity. I'm Rafaela Nunes, the founder of ThreadUp and the counsellor supporting the creative community. Comedians and creatives in general can experience anxiety, depression, low moods, and this in turn can affect their creativity. One-to-one counselling can facilitate a safe space for creatives to explore any difficulties, to gain self-awareness, to develop strategies that work, and ultimately to create choices that are aligned with the natural creative flow. If you're in need of support, then please get in touch. Visit threadup.co.uk to book your counselling sessions at reduced rates when you quote Psychomedy. Gentlemen, a very warm welcome to another episode of Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. Woo! A first <laughs> from Bristol University, a degree I've almost entirely forgotten. But it adds a tiny bit of credibility to me discussing the psychology of stand-up comedy with today's very special guest here at the beautiful Free Sisters, the one, the only, Patrick Monaghan. Thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Pat, are you good today? Yes, I am absolutely fantastic. I've never had a conversation just looking straight ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to explain the shtick uh, of uh, psychomedy, uh, there's three episodes uh, out already. We don't look at each other for the duration of the in- interview, right? Usually, the guest is lying down on the uh, sofa in my house. That sounds worse than it is. What? Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, you got arrested though, didn't you? You had to <laughs> yeah, stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but today we are on stools here at the beautiful Free Sisters. But yes, Pat, much as you uh, want to look at me in the eye, please don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> so um, all right, Pat, Patrick, Patrick yeah. J. Monaghan. Thank you. I have known you for uh, for about twenty years, I think, and uh, but I don't feel like I know you. Mm. You I feel like you don't. You know me? No. I feel like I... Did you look at me in the eye? Though? Okay, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I'm okay. looking over there. I'm looking through looks, his eyes to you. If he looks <laughs> me in the eye. <laughs> if he looks me in the eye, you, sir, in the check shirts, yeah? Yeah. Just stand up and... Okay. Yeah, go mad. Okay. Um, I feel like I don't know you, so I feel like we're going to get to know you all okay. collectively more today. Um, I came to see your show the other night at the Gilded Balloon, 8 o'clock. Uh, tickets still available? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, <laughs> good, good. You know what? I, I haven't got any on me, but yeah, you should be able to get <laughs> Not after this, the amount of these people are on Twitter, they're going to yeah. pick them up. Um, <laughs> so um, the show is called Started From The Bottom, uh, now I'm here, um, where you go into more depth about your upbringing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your childhood? Um, so you were, you were born in Iran and you came over here? I do a new show now, which I never used to really talk about my background and stuff, and it was my partner, actually, who... Um, uh, she's very middle class. She was the one that was telling me, said, you've got you've to be more honest about it. Just tell people your real things, you know, about your life. And I thought, because I used to do a lot of observations about what people do, because that's comedy. But she, w- when she used to watch it, and, not, you know, she's obviously laughing, but she would say, you don't do these things. I said, well, yeah, but, but it's, a, it's an observation. It's like, like the stuff I'd talk about in the show, and like things like that I didn't do when I was younger, like um, drinking or drugs or whatever, things like this, but I would talk about them because... 
I think that's something you connect with an audience. I right. mean, look at this audience is fantastic. And a lot of these have probably taken drugs. You know, it's <laughs> probably on drugs now. It is. But it was... Um, so you were talking about having drunk uh, alcohol, but you'd never drunk alcohol. Yeah, never drunk alcohol in my life. Because so you mentioned that in the show, that you, yeah. used to, you used to say that at school, mm -hmm. that you used to drink alcohol just to kind of fit in. Yeah. So you carried that on in your comedy to kind of... Yeah. Fit in with the audience. Yeah, exactly. And, I've done, and that's genuinely true. I've, I've done that for decades. Even in my stand-up as an adult, I would still do routines about, you know, it's like you're drinking this, this, and this. And and it was great. It would get such big responses. It would connect with an audience, particularly, you know, if you're... Because that's what people are doing. They've come out to see your show. They've had a drink, mm. and they're doing that. So I would think, I'm doing this because I want... Um, people to go, yeah, we know, we do that, bang, we connect, mm. and then you're away. So that's that's the reason I did that. Um, do you trace that back at all to your childhood in terms of you wanted to fit in there in your childhood? So oh, yeah, massively. I mean, yeah. I grew up in, uh, when I grew up in the northeast of England, I mean, people were drinking. I mean, it's funny you say that, but I mean, at school, I remember if you didn't turn up drunk, you'd get expelled. <laughs> so it was one of them... It was one of the places where, you know, it's, the kids weren't selling you drinks. The teacher like, you, you're letting yourself down, you're letting your parents down. Um, <laughs> But it was it was funny because I grew up in. The, uh, but again, it's not uh, it's it's not a bad thing, not a good thing. It's nobody's fault. It's just that was the culture. That was where we came from. It's a very working class town. Mm. Uh, people used to uh, they used to work and they used to drink and there was a social club, the workmen's and that was it. Workmen's club and that was your life. Mm. You'd go out and you worked during the week so that you could drink, you could go out. Mm. Did you feel an outsider those uh, as a kid? You know, having come from. Iran. I mean, I don't believe anything you've ever said in your stand-up now. <laughs> maybe maybe no, none of this is true. Maybe you were born in, I don't know, America or something. Oh, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, did you, um, yeah. did you always feel, did you feel an outsider? Do you know what? It's funny because, uh, again, I haven't mentioned this before, but it's something that when you talk about an outsider, I think everyone in, in life is, uh, the world is so small that everyone really should be together, but everyone's got their own issues, I think. And I think it's funny because my mum, She's originally uh, from Iran, from Avos, where, where I was born, where she was there. But she was a mix herself. She was half Arab, half Persian, because her, her mum was from uh, Baghdad. So like, uh, basically, in a nutshell, so basically what you've got is the Middle East is all divided. So imagine if you've got uh, a Scottish parent and an English parent, uh, but at the time, obviously, there's still a lot of conflict there. You've got this sort of difference where you're not really fitting in either side. So my mum sort of didn't really fit in where she was because she was either that side or this side. Right. And um, and then she uh, met the an Irish fellow, my dad. She married him and had kids because she thought, well, she never fitted in, so she didn't want us to fit in either. So right. then she had it out. So then she thought, well, you can have a load of issues as well. <laughs> and it was... Um, and. That's, but so that's how I always say. I just think, well, yeah, do you know what? But actually, who, who is anything anyway, really? The more I meet people, it's quite funny. I started doing, talking about this maybe the last six months, the last year, maybe mm. something like that, two years, but on stage, maybe the last couple of months. And it's funny the amount of people you meet who you would think, oh, God, yeah, they look just, they look Glaswegian or they look Manchester. But then you speak to them and then you realize, oh, my God, they actually came over from Hungary or their grandparents came from that or they came from this place, they came from that. And yeah. so everyone's got their own issues, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, out of not fitting in at uh, school or whatever or trying to fit in, you then went into stand-up comedy to fit in. So uh, how did that happen? How did that, <laughs> how did that transition happen? Were you, were you making people laugh as a kid? Did that make you feel good uh, when you were growing up? Um, I mean, the reason I went into comedy was because I just didn't want to work in the daytime. <laughs> I just didn't want to get up. Um, like these guys. Yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, no, yeah, I would say definitely. I mean, it's, uh, it is funny. You know, people always say, 
that old cliche that comedy is there's always that clown there's what's the thing they say behind the clown there's always that sad face which mm. i do think is not true i think that's right i think in the old days maybe so not for us i mean we're not it's not I, I true for you Pat, not because you're all so happy because yeah. it's true for every other comedian no they're depressed I, no there's loads of comics i met who were who were just themselves they're really good and name i would one. say name one name one Patrick Monaghan. Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it's true. I think there is people who... Do you, do you really think most comedians are, are no, kind there's of definitely, No, there's loads with problems, but I couldn't probably name them because it's being recorded. But yeah, there's... <laughs> we can I mean, cut I'll, that bit. We I'm going to write bit. it on a piece of paper and hold it up so you can see it. <laughs> oh, no, there is... Listen, there is just as many comics you could easily name who've got problems and this is why they do it, but you've got just as many who haven't. And I would say... It probably sounds a bad set, or maybe is it? But I haven't. I wouldn't say I had a problem. The reason I did the reason I did comedy genuinely was because I I did love the thing. But the reason I did comedy when I was younger, yeah, definitely was a defence mechanism because where I grew up in the northeast, it was either you were either good at football, you do sport, or you're good at fighting, or you're good at selling heroin. <laughs> and if you're not good at any of these. Um, then you've got to be good at all comedy. You have to use something. So my defense mechanism, yeah, of course, would be comedy. I'd just be like, you know, you're not going to be able to fight five people, but you can disarm them with humor, with laughter. People like it. They go, oh, yeah, this guy's all right. We'll leave him for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear what other funny stories he's got before we beat him up. And you just, it's a bit like that 1001 Arabian Nights. I'll just keep talking, and then eventually they'll leave and come back tomorrow and finish it off. And then, but I've got more stories tomorrow. We'll be all right. <laughs> so I remember gigging with you in 99, as far back as that. Um, you won the TV competition, Take the Mic. in 99? Uh, I started in 2001. Yeah, yeah, 2001. Yeah, 2001. 99, didn't it? Wasn't it 99? No, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't even in... The heroine's I, getting to me during the film, yeah, sorry. I didn't start doing comedy until the end of 2000, okay. 2001. All right. Are you Jason Manford? Yeah, that's me. We, we put the wrong guest. <laughs> Jason Manford. Yeah. Um, but you won Show Me the Funny in yeah. 2011. Who remembers that? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that, lads? We'll dub on the cheers uh, <laughs> later. Um, Even I don't remember this it. This was a big <laughs> ITV show presented by Jason Manford. Jason he was supposed Manford. to be here this evening. Yeah. Um, at the Palladium. It was live on ITV and uh, there was a big check uh, yeah. for winning that. I'm sure you spent most of that. Uh, My agent already. spent most of it and the tax <laughs> man. And yeah, and then... I don't know where the rest is. I think it's in there. How Swiss did you bank. feel? You were the favourite for that competition, as I remember. Although I remember, uh, I remember nothing very well from that time ago. Yeah. It How was did you feel just before you went on at the Palladium in front of what was ten million people? Was it? So basically, it was um, when they filmed it live. So it, it basically, what happened was when we got to the final, Hammersmith Apollo. Okay. So, so huge, was, like two thousand yeah, people. Two, three thousand people. It and was, ten million people watching. And then yeah, millions yeah. watching live. And then it was a public vote, so the public would decide who was their favourite. Out there was like three was left yeah and even at that point i still wasn't sure i wouldn't you wouldn't you're never showing anything really like that and how and are you I, feeling just before you came on you know oh yeah i mean it's you don't think of the millions watching you just think of here it was it you know it's always like um it's like this the podcast i'm not gonna expect you know i'm not worried about the seven million listening <laughs> it's about the <laughs> it's about the three thousand people that are here now <laughs> that are in this i mean they <laughs> You can just hear that laughter of 3,000. Just, it just knocks you out with a wave of love. But it was... It, um, so do you never get nervous, even with 10 oh million God. people? Oh, God. Yeah, 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 but you don't. But for us as a, as a comic, I'm always... There's, I think there's different types of comics. There's radio comics, there's TV comics, and there's live performers. It's people like, you know, 
um, people who I grew up with who I liked was Richard Pryor, uh, Robin Williams, uh, Dave Allen. And these, I would never, you don't see these as TV comics, you see these as real performers. Like Dave Allen would sit there and it was almost like he's talking to you. When you're watching on the mm. telly, it feels like he sat literally on the end of your table. He sat there and sat in the room chatting to you while you sat on the sofa or the chair. So for me, it's always, yeah, I forget about the numbers. I, I, it's to a live audience. Uh, yeah, of course you get nervous, but it's not nervous, nervous like I'm biting my nails. It's that excited, nervous energy. I get like adrenaline, which if I ever lost that, it'd be awful because I don't want to walk on and go, oh, what's happening here? Well, this is nice. <laughs> Start taking my shoes off, clipping my toenails. Well, this is lovely, isn't it? <laughs> Tell you a couple of stories. You don't want to be that relaxed. I want to see that show. Yeah. <laughs> the toenail clipping show. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned in your show, your show is great, by the way. Please do check it out. Um, Eight o'clock at the Gilded Balloon. And uh, oh, thank you. you <laughs> thank you very much. I'm just thank advertising you. your show here. Thank you very much. So uh, you talk about um, the, your lack of opportunities, uh, maybe because you had less money than certain people um, as a kid during the show. And you talk about people uh, from wealthy backgrounds, uh, people from uh, you know less advantaged backgrounds. What do you think that, that in terms uh, of in terms of the fringe? I mean, uh, a lot of people will be aware that at the fringe, this is a free fringe venue, so you don't have to pay to come in. Um, you don't have to pay to get in as a performer, but if you perform at the Gilded Balloon or where you perform or at the Pleasance, you know, you can be spending kind of £10,000 or upwards <laughs> of £10,000 for, uh, for the fringe. Um, what do you feel about that in terms of comedy and the opportunities it gives uh, people with less money? Well, so if you look at comedy, I can't speak for other industries, but you look at comedy, yeah, of course. I mean, it's like the reason that uh, someone would do better in one way and stuff like that isn't just, it's not about being funny. The funniest, the funniest people aren't necessarily the ones on TV. Yeah. They're the ones who know what that market is and they go, right, do you know what? Um, I've got the, I'm going to talk about this and I've got this and I can appeal like this and I know how to market myself. Whereas most people don't. We just go, well, look, I'm funny. I'm going to, I play to an audience and my job is to make them laugh. But that's not enough, I would say, in particularly what I've seen in the industry. And it's the same with most industries, I suppose. You, it's not about just doing that. You've got to, like, look at Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg didn't come from an industrial town. He didn't come from a working <laughs> class. He did you know, his dad, uh, we lived in a caravan. You know, his, his parents weren't living in a caravan. They weren't, um, you know, his parents... He lives uh, in a caravan now. Yeah, he lives uh, in a caravan now, yeah. He's keeping it surveillance. real. Yeah. But he, um, but Zuckerberg, there's, I mean, it's no coincidence. He went to Harvard. He had a, of course he did, you know. But you're not going to get someone from my back or someone like that who's ever going to get close to that. You know, you wouldn't. I wouldn't even be able to work for Zuckerberg. That's what I'm saying about the opportunities. You know, yeah. so it is. So you do have to work harder. But is that a bad thing? Not really. It just means that when you achieve stuff, you just it just means more to you. I just love it. Yeah, great, great. So you've achieved so much. Can we talk about your stand-up style for uh, for a second? Yeah, yeah. Um, I read your Wikipedia page. And it says the following, Monaghan's humour relies heavily on audience interaction and an animated storytelling style that draws on his own experience. He does not cut his toenails. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> he is known within comedy circles to ignore the light, meaning he will eat into other comics' time or cause overall delays to the programme, in brackets, citation needed. <laughs> Who the fuck is putting this on Wikipedia? <laughs> Did you run over? Presumably it's not yourself, you yeah. know, but you have got a reputation for running over and uh, talking to the audience up until maybe a year ago. Do you think your style has changed, as you mm. say, over the last over the last year? And where is this running over thing come from? Where yeah. does, it, does it come from anywhere or is it just because you're shit at timekeeping? Yeah, well, I, I don't even know what citation means, whatever <laughs> them words, but it's, it's funny. With it. they, so basically, when I started out, 
again, I think this goes back to your, uh, again, this is what you asked in the other question about your upbringing where some comics, they're so good. The reason they do so well is because they're so structured. They go, I'm going to write this joke. This is my thing. Bam, bam, bam. And they have a script and it's brilliant. And they go like this, bam, bam, bam. When I started out, my style was very conversational because it's like, like I said, Dave, I don't know whether it's about talking about real life. And I think, well, how can you time that? How are you going to, I can't come on and say, uh, this routine is going to be 97 words. I'll be like, well, how am I going to say that? You know, but that's, that's how some people are. You've got to be that precision in this industry. Um, so when I started out, it was just about, yeah, go on, I'll do a couple of stories about this. I'll talk about this, talk about this. And I, and in, if you don't know, with comedy, what they do is there's usually someone at the back or there'll be a light that will flash <laughs> when it's yours. They'll say, right, you're doing 20 minutes tonight. That light will flash at 18. You've got two minutes, wrap it up. And if it flashes again uh, and stays on 20, that means you've got to be off stage. But I would be too involved in the... I'm chatting away, we're having the right laugh. And I just... Every time the light would flash, I'd start dancing. <laughs> and i just keep going on and on. And then next thing you know, it's about an hour later. Um, but yeah, of course, I've changed all that now. You know, you have to. It's like when you're here at the festival, I have to do an hour show because there's... Um, but you've changed, you've changed a lot, I think, in terms, yeah. of like, uh, in terms of audience interaction. I remember gigging with you like, a couple of years ago in the Rat Pack, and uh, we did, like, you used to do crowd surfing all yeah. the time. Can we do that tonight? Yes, we will. I'm going to get straight past this front row. <laughs> no, just gonna... I, I'd like to see you crowd surf over these yeah. people, actually. Well, let's do go it. On, Pat, do go on, Pat, go for it. How many people here have ever crowd surfed before? Put your hands up if you've crowd surfed. Right, look, to, that's enough to you've do a crowd surfed surf. in the front row. Did you kill anyone? <laughs> Three, Three people. people. Okay. Oh, my God. Did you have knives stuck on you? <laughs> Just like that. I'd like to see that fella crowd yeah. surfing. It's so good. you used to do this all the time. You used to crowd. I crowd surfed once with you at uh, at a gig. Yeah. You know, but I don't yeah. see that from you. Uh, you know, anymore. And this is this the part of the new you. The kind of you'll see if you go to the show. Mm -hmm. Eight o'clock, guilty balloon. <laughs> but uh, you know, is the this is has the old PR. pack gone? Has the old pack gone? And uh, uh, and any you know any more reasons why he's gone? Yeah, or you just want to delve? You, no. see, you said at the top of the show you, you, you kind of got a bit older. You, 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 yeah. you can tell the truth a bit more. Yeah, know? of course. I mean, the stuff I talked about, even what I talked about now, today, um, I wouldn't talk about this 10 years ago, of course. No, 15 years ago. Because it, I, w I wouldn't want the audience to feel uncomfortable. That's what I thought. I thought if I talk about this, people are going to think, oh, my God, this is really, this is hard, you know, something like that. Because I thought at the end of the day, they're coming for a laugh. And that's why I would sort of keep it very light, keep it like that. Whereas now... You can still do that, but I can find the jokes in it. So it's actually just as funny now, uh, or if not funnier than when I was before. But I would, I'm always, I love people. I'm so interested in people. That I'd always like, oh, what's happening with you? So how long have you two been together? What's happening? And I'd do jokes about, about them. And then I suppose it was my partner who said, look, these people, you turn around, these people have paid good money to come see you, go to art centers, whatever, there's a couple hundred people there, they've paid money to come. They've come because they want to hear about you. And I thought, oh my God, yeah, yeah, they have. And you forget about that. And then, and I think as a comedian, sometimes you don't have that ego, that confidence to think, okay, I'm just going to stand and talk about myself for an hour and a half. Yeah. But you have to, because if you look at the best comics in the UK or the best comics in the world at the moment, look at like McIntyre's, you have Flanagan's, they're not going, oh, and what about you two? Where did you travel from today? They're just telling you about what their life was like. And it's funny. It's brilliant. It's amazing. You know, Billy Connolly did it for years. You know, Dave Chappelle, it's, you find out about them. You're not finding about who's yeah. who's out there. You know. It sounds like your partner's being a big influence in you at the moment. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Because she wants a bigger house. <laughs> so she's like, 
you need to start moving out the art centres. You need to start doing proper theatres because we need more money. <laughs> she needs more. I know, I know your your girlfriend, and she comes from a comedy. She's a comedian. She comes from a comedy family. You know, does that add any extra level of kind of you know, yeah. pressure? And do you know what? It's funny because she people always say she's a com- she hates comedy. She's she's an actress. <laughs> That's because she lives with you. Pat, I know exactly. Yeah, and she's like a serious actress. She does like act- she likes more serious stuff. Yeah. But her dad was a was a comic and um she knows stuff about that background so but she's very but again it's like i say it's about the education she, she went to a private school she had a good education and she tells you stuff where you think oh god yeah i did, wouldn't have thought of that that's right and she just looks at it from and i think everyone could do this if you look from an outsider's point of view it's so much easier to tell people about not where they're going wrong, but you could give them other options. And mm. I think that's... We can all do it. There's people here with their partners who your husband or wife wouldn't have achieved so much at work if it wasn't for them going, you know, when they call and they go, yeah, this wasn't... Work. Why at work I'm not getting this promotion, I'm not getting this? And they'll tell you, they go, well, what's happening here? And then it's good, you know, you need people like that. And it's just yeah. that she is really quite opinionated, but also very analytical. And, yeah. yeah, she's just very... She's sort of strong in what she believes in, which is good. Yeah. Cool. So you describe a lot in your show uh, about your background and you've described a lot here today about your background and other comedians and uh, you, you tend to accentuate the positives uh, at all times, which is fabulous, mm-hmm. you know, about other comedians. You say, oh, comedians are happy, you know, and I would say, oh, yeah. no, you know, maybe the other side, you know. Does it ever, does it ever get hard for you? Do, do you ever struggle in terms, of, uh, in terms of your job and what you're doing or do you just float by like, uh, like no one else in the industry? No, I think, honestly, again, and... Uh, honestly if you speak to my partner she'll say the same thing that it annoys her that I always see the positive in everything (laughs) and she it does her head in like if if we do something or say someone said something uh, promoter or venue or something or someone said something but in a snarly way she'd be like why do you let people say this? Why don't you just stand up? Why don't you say that? And I said, no, no, they're, they're just having a laugh. It's like this. She goes, no, people don't have a laugh. They're not having a And she'll look at the negative, and she's probably right, you know, sometimes, but I always look at the positive, and I think mm. it doesn't matter if this, it, this happens for a reason, so you've got to do this, do this. But I always think that's a positive thing. Loads of, but it's in life, it, there's people here who will be, 50% of the audience are optimistic, 50% are pessimistic, and I'm, just optimistic i'm always like that <laughs> who's who's optimistic in the room <laughs> no one <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> five people who's negative in the room there's okay a, good. i got there's no other option who's gonna on say this? nothing <laughs> who just wants chips <laughs> what's, what's the third option there you go crowd surfer <laughs> <laughs> So is this at all times, Pat? Because as I say, I've known you for 20 years and it seems like, oh, there must be something else going on there in terms of like, you know, you must be, you know, you must get home, I don't know, and cry. Um, no. But you clearly don't. You clearly don't. Honestly. You're not like normal comedians. You no, know? because I mean, if, if you've had the background I've had, every mm. time I come home, I'm laughing. I'm just, it's only getting better and better. And I think that's the way you've got to look at life. I think, you know, it's like... Um, Again, like I say, without harping on about it, but if you look at your parents, your grandparents, people always do this thing now where they go, oh my God, let's make, let's make life great again. Let's make the world great again. And you're going, are you mad? The world is always getting greater. I mean, people are going, well, you want to go back to like the 50s where there was no delivery room. You couldn't get food <laughs> to your house. You couldn't, you know, we have to leave the house. Whereas now you can watch everything. You know, it's, and I think this is the thing where 
we live in a society I now. think you're unique, Pat. I don't <laughs> think anyone else thinks like you, that, oh, there's so much shit in the world, but at least we can watch Emma Dale. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, On but it's great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> every time I see you, you're so enthusiastic. Everyone, I don't know if anyone's just arrived at the Fringe. Anyone just arrived at the Fringe? Go yeah. up to a performer at the end of their set. They're fucked, you know? <laughs> their throat is horrible. Every time I see Pat, he's like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> You know, exactly. maybe, maybe it is the cocaine, I don't know. Yeah. But um, I've still you know. got my visa. I don't have to leave. I'm happy. It's all great. <laughs> this is it. That's why I wanted to talk to you today, but yeah. I really do think... Can you name another comedian that is so positive like you? I can't name yeah, one. Yeah, Well, Damien Clark maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Damien. But there's loads. I would say I there's quite a few. Loads. Can yeah. you name one? Damien Clark. <laughs> 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 it's hard when you're on the spot because you're thinking... But it is funny because you're thinking, I, I can't speak for them. Because I might... It's like asking me... Neighbor comedian who's depressed. I wouldn't say that either because I can't say, oh, yeah. I think that person's depressed. And they're going, what are you on about? Um, I'd say you're, the, you're towards the upper end of the uh, positive scale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're right at the top. Johnny me, Vegas. Johnny Vegas constantly. What an upbeat man. <laughs> Lovely. I mean, if, if Johnny Vegas was here, he'd be throwing the chair and having a time in his life. <laughs> be taking poppers, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> Always upbeat. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> all right. That's going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> so you think this is from your background? You stri- you know, you, you lived in a caravan. How, for how many years did you? So five years we're living in a caravan. Okay, from age of what? About to eleven what? to sixteen, seventeen. Okay, years old. And, and before we... that, you were in Iran. And, and then before that, Iran. Then we were in Redka, a little town in the northeast coast, little industrial town. And then the steelworks had finished then. And then so we moved around. So yeah, it was like. But to me, that was life. I thought that yeah. was good. Even at that point, I wasn't. I thought, yeah, it's great fun. This is well, different. Maybe, maybe it? everyone like needs that background. Though, because you know? everyone that's moaning about the state of society, maybe everyone needs to have been born in Iran no, but and live in a caravan for five years. But I this, don't know. yeah, but this is the problem today. Is the problem is today that we have so much convenience, we have so much easy stuff that everyone mm. puts the bar so high that they're going actually. Why do we have to have a forty-hour week? And then people come back going, "Should really just work thirty hours? We should have Fridays off." Actually, you know, if we have Fridays off, we should only work Wednesdays to Monday. You know, we should just have three days. And then it, people keep asking for less and less. So it's like, uh, whereas I come from that other background where it was like we work same as doing comedy. I was doing seven nights a week stuff like that. So now I can take a couple of nights off. So it's yeah, I think it's you always compare it to what you know, and I think. Mm. Um, yeah, we're very, you're very lucky to be doing this. It's such a laugh, you know. You're doing something that you love. And mm. it, it sounds like a cliche, but, and hopefully everyone in the room does the same thing. You, you shouldn't be doing a job for the sake of a job. You should be doing something that you love. And then that way it doesn't become a job. It's not a chore. Mm. I love going out to do gigs. I love, to a point that my partner thinks I'm a psycho. She's like, why are you going back out again to do the show? I go, because... Because I want to do the show, uh, doing this and shit, but you need to have a night off or whatever. And I'm going, no, but it is a night off. I'm going out, <laughs> I'm doing a show. It's like everyone else's night. You gig all out. the time, don't you? You gig a lot. I used to, not so much. I, mean, mm. I will take Monday and Tuesdays off. I have two nights off a week. And okay. that's to annoy my partner. <laughs> <laughs> so if your partner was here tonight, is she here tonight? She is in the festival. She's out and about. She's okay. Would she say anything different about you? Does she know anything different that you're not no, going to no, reveal no. to the audience? No, 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 she would agree with what, because I think she, she's seen the change. She would be someone good to speak to, because she has seen the change. She's seen the old Get her up me here. and the new me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, she's seen the change in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, what do you think is the biggest change in you over the last year or so then? Um, yeah, just, uh, just being more focused in, and also, 
you can say no to things. And I never used to do that. <laughs> I was just like, I don't, how many people are just by way of cheers? How many people here would always be yes, positive, like say yes to stuff? How many people would that? Yeah, so a couple of people there, well done. That's Two it, people it? out of 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> you are very rare, Pat. Yeah, there you go. No, but you see, you see even to this question, you went yes. <laughs> even if you don't say yes, you're like, oh, I'll say yes. And then there's people who would say no to stuff. There's a majority of the 98% people. 98% of the yeah. audience, yeah. And that is something that the two people like me would, we would think that's weird. You think, why would you, why would you say no to stuff? Someone's asking you to do something. This is amazing. It's an opportunity. Whereas now in the last couple of years, yeah. I think that's been the changes that you, you can say no to things. You can turn stuff down. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And why do it? And also you don't have to do stuff for money anymore. It's like... Uh, nobody has to in life and that's the thing they don't teach you when you're again from my background it was oh no you have to do it for the money it's the cash that is but you don't because that long term that won't benefit you short term yeah everyone wants cash but long term mm. you will be better about yourself you enjoy your life more and also you can lifetime is much more important than money i think and that's yeah. what my partner's taught me <laughs> that's why we get up early now so if I was psychoanalyzing you, I think it's very clear that, well, to, to, to me, that uh, possibly it was your background in terms of Iran and living in a caravan that has made you so positive, but also wanting to fit in, wanting mm -hmm. to fit in, and that's carried on through your life. As you say, you, you said you talked about in stand-up that you drank and you, you've never mm -hmm. touched a drop of alcohol. And in terms of always fitting in, and that's become you being a yes-man over the yep. last 20 years in your comedy. Then over mm -hmm. the last year, maybe, you've thought, no, hang on. I want to get back to maybe yeah. kind of who's who's the real me. I want to yeah. tell, tell the audience the real me. Exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. Which is what you'll see if you go to the City Cafe at 6.45. That's my show. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting confused. <laughs> That's Nathan's um, show. Okay. 6.45. <laughs> we all have to run from this uh, venue in You've about five minutes. Five minutes Okay, so uh, in the last five Literally. minutes. Yeah, in the last five minutes of the show. Thank you, Pat. And you get Thank to the you, bottom. Nathan. Thank you for everyone staying as well. Thank <laughs> you. And, um, Still 3,000 people here. Yeah, yeah. 2,999 now. I think one person did leave. Yeah. So two things before we finish. If you listen to Psychomedy, which I employ to do, at psychomedy.co.uk, you'll get the links there. We do this in association with a Manchester-based counselling service called ThreadUp that is uh, run by a lady called Rafaela Nunes. And Rafaela is here tonight. Give Rafaela a round Yay, of applause. Rafaela. Rafaela, would you like to join us on the stage? Keep the round of applause Yay! going for Rafaela. <laughs> All right, let me give you this microphone, Okay. Uh, first thing first, what do you think of uh, Pat? That's great. It's quite a journey, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy, crazy journey. Quite a lot of adjustment through your partner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, um, and again, it's probably another cliche, but you do need a rock in life, and I think that's the thing. Like, my family were good, you know, uh, to a certain point, but they had their own issues like that. And I think in life, everyone has that, where they, they want to go for a new journey or something, and then you can only do so much on your own, and then you have that rock. That's great. It sounded great. What, what really struck me in the, when you were talking to him, Nathan, is um, you seem to try to extract that comedians are, yeah, who, 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 is, who is depressed, who is sad, and, mm. and many are. But I think your experience... An immigrant and arriving, and everything is a bonus. Yeah, yeah. it sounded like. Yeah, everything it's, every it's day. It's a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To achieve something is great. So mm -hmm. the perspective is very different, isn't it? Yeah. But there are some comedians out there. Pat and Damien Clark. Evidently, yeah. evidently. Um, cool. 
Have you met a lot? You've met, you've obviously met quite a few. That I'm, I'm meeting more and more. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, but there are still barriers. You mm -hmm. know, people are just not. They are starting to talk a bit more, but not quite enough. Mm. Because I think there is the, the the pressure you you know you were saying before about being a yes man and mm. you know and doing things to please the crowd or to please. So it sounds like that there is pressure to do that, mm -hmm. but it's okay to to find out other ways like you have isn't mm -hmm. it mm, yeah. and for some people is to to get some support mm. it might not be therapy that's what i do but it might not be therapy it might be a few little adjustments it might be a few you know some some reading or mm. changing lifestyle you said you're waking up a bit earlier yeah oh god yeah we've we'll we got a little puppy now a little multi poo and that that has really changed our life it's hilarious my partner she's always had dogs and it's lovely he in the morning at seven o'clock, he licks your face. It's like a, an alarm clock, and then, and then when you take, he's him even out. positive about that. Yeah, <laughs> I would not be positive about that. I'd do something awful to the dog if it did that. Pat, you're a total one-off. Oh, a dog's licking my face at seven in the morning. Great, that brilliant. That's not great at all. Yeah, like, Come on, I need a wee. Come on, let's go, people. Let's get up. Let's get up. I was weeing in the bed. I'm so positive. I've now got a water bed. Yeah, you know, I am. Um, so just, just quickly, before we, uh, before we finish, Rafaela, as I say, runs a, a, a counselling service in Manchester uh, for creative people called ThreadUp. And there is counselling available at the Fringe. I don't know whether anyone's aware, but uh, if anyone needs counselling after this. But, uh, <laughs> if, uh, for, for creative people, there is counselling available. But the take-up of it this year has not been very huge. Do you think we need to do more in terms of these barriers between people going through stuff? Because I think, I mean, my perception is slightly different to Pat, that a lot of performers are going through a lot of stuff at this fringe, but not taking up those services that are available at the fringe. Do you think more needs to be uh, done in terms of breaking those barriers down? Are comedians, are performers talking amongst themselves? Sometimes, you know, that, that helps a lot because yeah. they realise that others are going through very similar things. Yeah. And then it's like mm. that, that the penny drops. Oh, wow, you know, it's not just me. But I think... Breaking that barrier, it, it will have to come from from each one individually, and they will have to just take that first step to assess that there's something not quite right here. Yeah. Because I think the pace of your work, um, and in the creative industry in a whole, can be so fast that it's easy just to push to push aside and then carry on without yeah. addressing it. I think that's the thing because the problem is a, a lot of comics don't talk. They love to talk at a crowd, but it's like they put a wall up so they don't. That's why I used to love chatting and bantering because you're having a conversation. But a lot of comics, especially as you said, at the festival, whatever, they, they're constantly just talking but not listening. And that's the problem. And, and, but this environment now, I think it's, it's hard even outside of Edinburgh. If you're traveling around, you're doing tour shows, you spend that whole night just talking, but you're not having a conversation. Then you go around during the day and then you try and chat to people in a town that you don't know. People think you're a nutter. They just start walking <laughs> And then you start going to a supermarket. Oh, I'll just chat to someone, have a conversation. <laughs> and it's a self-checkout machine. So you start talking to a self-checkout machine for five minutes. They're like, have you got the right change? Yeah, I have. Bags? No, not bags. I was thinking about getting some bags. And the machine just keeps going, no, do you want bags? And it's just like, and I think that's the problem with comics. They're so used to just talking at people, but then they forget, oh, actually, it'd be good to have a conversation. To take that first step. Indeed. Well, it is the end of the conversation today. <laughs> Please, one round of applause for Patrick Monaghan. Thank you very much. Thank Another you. Another round of applause for Rafaela Nunes. Thank you, Rafael.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for listening here tonight. Uh, we, uh, we do a card collection on the way out of the Rat Pack, usually. As I say, usually it's comedy and cabaret here, but tonight you've, uh, you've had this. We usually do the bucket collection to share amongst the performers. But uh, tonight we're doing a bucket collection for charity, so we're going to split the money between uh, two charities. Uh, Rafaela, do you want to mention the charity that you work for? 42nd Street is a Manchester-based uh, charity that helps young people uh, with mental health difficulties. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Pat, I haven't mentioned this actually, but I, I believe you're a patron of uh, Zoe's Place, Babies, Baby Hospice Zoe's in Place, Middlesbrough. Zoe's Place, Baby Hospice, Middlesbrough, uh, Liverpool and Coventry. They do it and they help uh, families who can't afford for their children if they've got complications and stuff. So to, and also at the end, in the hospice. Okay, great. Uh, thank you very much. One more round of applause thank for Pat and Rafaela. Thank you very much. Uh, please do check out psychomedy.co.uk. Uh, you'll get a card on the way out. Thank you very much for listening. Lots of love to you all and good See night. See you Cheers. at 6.45 at Nathan's and 8 o'clock yeah. at night. <laughs> Pod people.